Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we have a lot to get to. Practice number eight in the books. Sunshine early, torrential downpour late, QB1 slinging it in the elements, finding the end zone, protecting the football. We'll talk about his day and the entire day of on-field work for the Dolphins. Plus, we met with assistant coaches ahead of practice. We talked to Tyreek Hill after practice. The best of those sound bites for y'all coming your way from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. So I've been trying my best to not make this a Tua and quarterback podcast every single day where the rest of the content becomes secondary, and thus, maybe I've buried the quarterbacks a little bit too deep into the episodes the last few days. So today we're coming out of the blocks hot, talking all things QBs. We're going to start with QB1 because the body of work now heading into tomorrow's scrimmage at the stadium is a good sample size, and I tell you what, he is flat out cooking out here, guys. The confidence we've seen from Tua at the podium and press conferences, it translates to the field. And those of you that go back to my early content days know that my start was in quarterback evaluation, and I watched more plays of Ryan Tannehill than any player in the sport at the time. Well, Tua's getting to the point now where I've seen maybe more of his work than anybody. And the player I saw today, the player we've been watching for the last week plus to me, is by far the best version of Tua we've seen. And given the fact that he was number one in several key categories last year, that's a bad sign for the rest of the league, guys. And this is why I always thought, despite you know the hip injury coming out of college and how that might stunt his growth or whatever you might have said about it, it's why I thought he was still worthy of the number five overall selection, even though it was natural to wonder, would he be able to get back to the same player that he was? And boy, has he. The processing, the consistency on the stuff built into the offense. I always thought that was what would give him a baseline level of success, even right away. And and it did, right? He was a winning quarterback as a rookie, multiple games before his first turnover. You know, I thought that offense kind of took a step forward when he came into the lineup. He had a, uh, you know, the fourth quarter numbers over the course of his career into that 2021 season. The difference between he and other quarterbacks playing that year under center for the Miami Dolphins, it showed you something to build around. And then last year happened. Now we see him years removed from the injury. We see him with multiple off seasons worth of training to help transform his body and get back to the mobility and strength that he had pre-injury and, and build up on top of that. And frankly, I think it's kind of transformed his game. A little bit. Look, I always thought the arm talent thing was tired and overplayed. And so I tried to stay away from it because I'm not in the business of knocking 60 yard completions. I think it's silly to do that. But man, those of you that have come out to practice this week, is there a throw that you don't think Tua can make? Is there anything we're missing with this guy? I don't see it. Yesterday, I raved about the off-balance three-quarter arm slot throw that he had. Today, I saw him drive a ball 55 yards down the field to Chosen for a home run. I saw him plant his feet, get the entire mechanical operation going to the perimeter on a little sail concept, and show the throw to one target, bring the arm back across the body, and a no-look shot pass into a secondary target once the defense had already moved according to his helmet and body positioning seeing him do it all, man. Tyreek talked about Tua's physical skill set a bit, and one of the throws that he made at yesterday's practice in today's media availability, here's the cheetah. Oh, it's, good. it's grown crazy, man. 
you know, um, just the reception I had yesterday where he was able to throw it in between, like, three defenders was crazy. So it just goes to show the amount of trust that he has in me, you know, um, and, you know, I just feel like it's going to continue to grow. So that's Tyreek talking a little bit about the chemistry between the two of those guys and how it's grown this year. And the great Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald tweeted this, and this is why I love Barry. He's got the numbers to help support my eye test claims. Barry had two with four red zone touchdowns today, and that's accurate by my count, and several chunk plays that it just feels like a rinse repeat going back to training camp from you know, last summer all the way through OTAs this year and I guess in season last year as well and all the way up through training camp right now. He's not throwing a pick in team period, guys. Not one. There's the one in seven on seven, a great play by Cater Kohu, one by Xavier Howard and one-on-ones. And there was a drop picked in 11s two days ago, three practices ago. I don't know what it was. But it speaks to his proficiency, his trust in the offense and his receivers and just an overall level of comfort I think he's displaying. And like Tyreek said, man, it's, it's just all buttoned up right now. And I can't wait for September 10th. A couple of plays to break down before the touchdown breakdowns. There was a couple of throws that, like Tyreek said, that just show the trust and the anticipation and the accuracy that he can play with. Where Tua had this throw to waddle into a tight window. It's just, I wrote it such a treat to watch him work every day because the ball is barely hitting the ground. He's finding ways to get off the spot to mitigate pressure, getting through his reads and showing off what looks to be, to me, like McDaniel mentioned, all around better, better physical skills. And we see it in, in a multiple in multiple ways. There was a nice rep for Tua where he got through progressions and he was hitching up in a, to the clean part of the pocket after getting some pressure around the backside. And eventually he checks it down, but you see him surveying up top to Chosen and you see a flag come out and Tua almost like sees that and says, okay, well, I got the, the five yards. Let's take this shot right here to a, to a different part of the field. Just consistently understanding where his answers are when things are taken away. I think you're seeing that grow and develop a big time this training camp. Uh, let's also go ahead and break down some of his plays for y'all as I had a front row seat for the three consecutive touchdowns he threw down in the red zone. All of them third down situations too, which that's three straight plays where he makes a play that's worth four points. You know, difference between a field goal and a touchdown. So the first one you saw our uh, team account posted on Twitter, a beautiful 17-yard touchdown strike to Waddle where the defense brings the house, man. There's like a jailbreak blitz. Tua fades back into the pocket, kind of like the touchdown against the Browns last year. Uh, to Tyreek, where he bought all the time he possibly could by fading away and holding onto the ball to the last possible minute to give Tyreek the two, three seconds he needs to, to uncover. Same situation, layers it to the back pylon and uses Waddle's speed to run away from the defense, puts it right into his spot. Coverage is close, placement's perfect. Waddle runs under a touchdown, third and five play, high leverage situation. Offense cashes in for six. Now, an absolute laser and low red zone. This one was maybe my favorite. I don't know. It's tough to discern the different, the, which one's better than the other. But third and goal from the three. And Tua throws this ball essentially to the pylon. Just, I, I would say, just kind of understanding how the play was going to play out before it ever did. And what I mean by that is Raheem isn't even like into his route yet. Like his, the back of his head's facing Tua. And Tua just throws it to a spot. And by the time Raheem gets to his spot, which goes back to that chemistry and trust and, and repetition for these guys, and, and Raheem becoming more of a receiver in his second year, right when he turns around, the football's right on him at the flag, turns it up into the end zone. Really impressive back-to-back throws from Tua. And then he gets a third touchdown to Waddle right under the goalpost, throwing the ball to a spot. Just another area where I feel like Tua's trust comes from, like, you know, you, you develop it from high-level thinking, akin to what Coach said last year in the... Texans game I think it was where he's mic'd up 
talking to Tua on the sideline about playing at a high level, the one where Tua is like not trying to hear it, saying, yep, got to keep chopping wood, coach. And, and coach is like, no, man, you, you are playing really well. Just like believe it. Uh, so on this play, if the corner that Waddle is working on is not closing or even better, if he's still getting depth, his ability to then transfer his weight into a drive down the field it's not there. There's no, like, you have to be progressing that way to accelerate that way. And so there's no ability for him to disrupt the catch point, especially when you factor in how quick Tua's release is. So I feel like he can throw the ball essentially right at the DB, who's more, wor- and like, it's, for for the quarterback's perspective and for someone that doesn't play the position or never has, I think you would think, like, I'm throwing the ball right to the defense. That feels weird. But he throws it to that spot because that's where Waddle eventually wants to cross face at. And he he can do this because he knows the DB's more worried about Waddle's speed and the move that he might make. So Tua, while the DB's focus on where Waddle's going, I'm going to go ahead and throw the ball so you can't react to my throw. And it's another benefit of the speed because by the time he processes all of this, Waddle's already flashing right in front of him. And there's the ball too. So Tua's quickness matches the quickness of his receivers. Does that make sense? Not from the foot speed standpoint. His processing is in the same realm as Waddle and Tyreek's physical speed. And that's why I think this offense can be so special. And the fourth touchdown was a play similar to the pass breakup that Cam Smith had in the end zone, but the ball was right on target outside for Berrios to catch it, get the feet in at the front pylon. Just, it was really a master craft day from number one. And you know, having watched him through eight practices now and, and all of last offseason and having seen other quarterbacks here years before Tua was here and and reading camp reports from, you know, even the pre-Tannehill days and just hoping that John Beck would have a good day. It's nice to see a real, true, very, very good quarterback every day in practice. It makes the rest of the practice way more fun to watch. And I thought Mike White was terrific again today as well. I think there's a pretty clear... Uh, hierarchy being developed here based upon practice performances I think that click that coach was talking about occurred sometime last week early on in that week because he's been spinning it you know pretty much since that bad Friday practice indoors when everyone talked about the sacks and the results and yada 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 but he's beating pressure he's giving his guys a chance with the ball in their hands after the catch I think he's getting the ball to the checkdowns fast enough for those guys to make noise after the fact because when you're late down the field it makes you late to the checkdown but Mike gets through it quick enough to where he can get them in position to get yards after the catch and not lost on you know me not an underrated fact by any means is putting the ball on those guys accurately so they don't have to go to the ground with it or, you know, drop the ball. I thought this. I thought his best ball was a 20 or so yard rip to Berrios for a catch and run over the middle. He's been really throwing the ball in that area well. I haven't seen anybody here do it like Tua ever, but Mike's been like the second best at it that I've seen so far. And he had a really nice throw in a situational drill where the offense had to get like 20 or some yards to get into field goal range with 12 seconds on the clock. They All the quarterbacks got one rep. No one got it down the field, but Mike White did for about 25 yards and a chance for a field goal. I want to go to offensive coordinator Frank Smith here for a little bit as he talked about the second year in the offense. I've talked to everyone under the sun about this, including Mike and Tua, including, you know, uh, Greg Cosell back in Indianapolis. Everyone that I can talk to, I've talked to about this. Haven't had a chance to ask Frank Smith about it. How do you feel year two in the offense can benefit you guys? Um, I think overall the guys, uh, they hear the concept and now it's more of they not executing an assignment but understanding uh, what it attacks, how it attacks, how they work together, uh, you know, how 
quarterback's progression fits in what they're trying to do. I think it's overall when, you know, you learn something uh, the first time, you know, it's just trying to make sure you get it and you learn. And this year now you're really taking this next level to uh, the overall understanding of the offense and the concepts. All right, so there you go. Almost a whole segment, or it was a whole segment to the quarterbacks. Let's come back on the other side and finish up the offense, including a big day from Devon A-Chain. We'll hear some more sound bites and much, much more on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So we saw the passing game clicking on Friday's practice. The usual suspects were out there. Waddle got open a ton, especially in the red zone, finding the paint with Tua at the controls. One of my favorite plays, though, was from Mike White, where he gets free on a third and 15 play coming across the formation, at least 10 yards short of the sticks, probably more. And he catches the short pass with the defense kind of playing the sticks. And he just turns on the burners and uses the entire width of the field to get them to get the ball across the sticks before going out of bounds. And he ran by a couple of guys that I think didn't realize that they were kind of Gronkowski on Drake in that instance where they lost the angle. Those kind of plays swing games, man. And Waddle makes them with regularity. But from from fourth and eight to a first down, like that's another possession you just stole because Waddle's so damn special. And Tyreek sure commanded some attention today with his work. He was his usual self flying off the snap and taking eyes with him, creating space for himself and others. A lot of those chunk plays came in the absence of coverage that was running with 10 down the field. You just see his true snap-by-snap impact and why he's so valuable to this team. Gosh, those two receivers are fun to watch. So is Braxton Berrios, who I thought looked good again at today's practice. He's been getting involved the last couple of days. Chosen had the long catch from Tua where he got on top of the defender and used that long speed to stay there. And I think those guys give you a really good mix inside in terms of their skill sets and how different personnel groupings can be You know, attacking different defensive groupings with the skill sets they offer. It's a deep, versatile group. Wes Welker talked about that a little bit today. He also talked about Eric Ezukama, who missed today's practice after exiting yesterday early. But we did hear from Wes on Ezukama, and I want to play this sound for you guys with Coach on the second-year wide receiver, who they talked about this last season. I don't remember when it was, but how last year was almost a redshirt year for those first two rookies that were taken in the draft, but we're seeing both Ezukama and Tendall play well this camp. Here's Wes Welker on Eric Ezukama. No, Eric can definitely help us this year. Um, I mean, last year was just hard getting him lined up, um, and now this year we're able to, we're lined up, and now we can start to get into the details of the offense and how we need to do everything, and and uh, there's still a lot of work to be done, but um, you know the fact that he's lining up right and, and doing the right things and and listening to the coaching and all those different things, he's he's progressing really well and and uh, leaps and bounds uh, better than what he was last year. We love the transparency you get with his coaching staff. I think you're also seeing tight end Elijah Higgins get some valuable work in his new position, including that in-line work that comes along with that spot. I caught up with Coach Embry to talk about Elijah Higgins, but also he mentioned, unsolicited, some comments on Julian Hill. And, you know, speaking of transparency, Embo's going to tell you how he feels. And I thought this was pretty telling about the two rookie tight ends he got in camp in 2023. Well, the first thing is, you know, just his ability, which – 
you know, being from Stanford, you know, you would think this would happen, but how quickly he was able to pick up the system and we were able to move him around. Uh, he, he's gotten better as a, as a run blocker. That's always going to be a work in progress. But one of the things about him, every time he takes a rep, and I challenge him and Julian this all the time, I always tell him every day, make new mistakes. And really, I can't think of a practice where they've made the same mistake twice that they've done two or three days earlier or the day before. So that's really impressed me a lot about both of them because that's harder to do. It's easier said than done. And, uh, you know, he uh, he's running good with his routes. Haven't had a ton of ops as far as getting getting the ball thrown to him, but they're putting a lot of good stuff on tape. So that's the pass-catching element. I thought the run game had one of its better days today as well. Raheem Mostert had his usual few runs where he found some creases and he just looks smooth and faster. I think Jeff, that's the thing about this team, man. Like there's so many guys that were coming off injury a year ago or were new to the team, like a Bradley Chubb midseason or Jeff Wilson, where in the first year of the system on the offense for Tyreek and for Waddle and for Ezukama, I just think there's a lot of incumbent growth we can see this year, which when you see the results last year, like we, we've done this in the past as Dolphins fans, right? And I'm getting way off script here, but we've done this thing where, oh, you know, who... Ted Ginn, year two, it's going to, it's going to, the light's going to come on for Ted Ginn, year number two. You know, Ryan Tannehill, it's year number five now. Like, he's finally going to go from a 12th best quarterback to the fourth best quarterback. And there's a million other names, right? But now, that belief comes from proof of concept. We saw it last year. We saw the number six offense. We saw Tua Dazzle. We saw Tyreek and Waddle set records. We saw the running game find its footing down the stretch. We saw Raheem Mostert prove to be really a, a pretty good bell cow late in the season. So you have this proof of concept and you're building off of that opposed to building off hope. And why would you not believe in it? That's, that's kind of my question is how can you not expect that big jump because of all those factors coming together and being back together for a second season when they, you know, self-admitted it wasn't necessarily like fluid last year because it was the first year. And so, man, I'm fired up about all that. I thought the run game, you know, Raheem did what he did. Jeff Wilson looks explosive to me, like faster than last year. I cannot wait to watch him in live periods because he just runs so damn hard. And he's going to he's gonna drop the shoulder pad some guys when it comes to preseason games. But I know the one you all want to hear about is Devon A. Chain, and, and you should. He was very, very good today. Each day we see him influence the defense with his speed. His ability to press and force those players to come down from depth, it allows him to pop back outside when he can accelerate through his cuts his cutbacks to the backside of the formation and then your angles are in all kinds of trouble because of where he drew you in with where you thought he might go and then he changes up on you I thought there was one play where he had Trill Williams coming downhill and it was if he makes Trill miss that tackle it's a 70 yard touchdown run it was still a 10 yard run but I, I like my chances if I can create three of those a game that will hit, you know, one every other game. That's, you know, those are, that's a lot of numbers, but you get what I'm trying to say. I think he's just super effective in that aspect as a pass catcher. I think that his goal line work shows a lot of his skills too, where his ability to kind of change the angle or target point of the defender allows him to not get hit clean. It allows him to fall forward through contact and get extra crucial yards. And down there, an extra half yard can be a touchdown. Let's go to Frank Smith who had some thoughts on the rookie running back. Coming out of A&M, you know, I mean, you saw the explosive plays that he was able to make in the running game and the passing game. And just, uh, you know, the NFL level, there just comes a, a, you know, a process of understanding the volume increases, uh, what we ask increases. And, you know, and he's really working with Eric to 
understand, you know, all the nuances that come uh, to the NFL level playing running back, especially in this offense with uh, being able to run the ball and then catch it. So uh, overall, you know, where he's been working to so far has been uh, very promising. And again, uh, the next couple of weeks for the guys is going to really be uh, the great, the greatest growth because you go against the defense for several weeks and then now it's going to change uh, as we play different defenses. So it's going to be a great opportunity for him to really grow. And inside to the offensive line, it was great to see Teron Armstead back out there for 11-on-11, and he gets out there and did what he does. Locked down his side, was in there for some of those successful runs we talked about. I know we all saw it last year, but the difference between Teastead on the field versus not, pretty tangible. I thought Connor and Rob had some really excellent catch and climb blocks today, combo blocks where you go hip to hip, shoulder to shoulder, climb up to the second level after detaching off the first level defenders. And they really paved some way for some big runs I talked about. Those guys, typically the big runs in this offense up the middle come off of that right guard, and that's Rob Hunt. Uh, That's why you want to keep him there because he can generate some explosives in the running game for you. I liked the work of Lester Cotton today out there. We mentioned him in the podcast a few days ago, and he keeps finding himself in the notes. Could be a guy to keep an eye on going forward. And Dan Feeney, I think, is the one-on-one champ so far. Every time I watch him in one-on-one drills, there is 67 causing a stalemate in pass protection drills. And that's all I got for you on the offensive line today. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back and do the defense. We'll hear from Coach Madison, Coach Fangio. I think I have more from Frank Smith as well. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Let's go ahead and pick it back up here, the final segment of the week, although it's not because we have a podcast for you guys tomorrow and Sunday. I think I'm coming up on like 14 straight areas of podcast here pretty soon. Uh, let's talk with Coach Madison here, who I asked about the leadership impact value of Jalen Ramsey. And now that he's not available in uniform, how can he still provide value with his insight? If you guys saw me on Twitter, Jalen's without the crutches already. That's pretty impressive. He says he's 7-0 so far against the rehab he's been working on. Here is Sam Madison on the impact of Jalen Ramsey, even though he can't give you number five on the field. Here he is in the impact of coaching the guys up on the sideline. I'm good. I mean, just like when he came in, you know, the first thing that he asked of me, you know, coach, what do you want me to do? I was like, man, I need you to be a, a coach on the field, you know, between myself, Ronaldo, we played this game a very long time. And, you know, that's what our coaches expect of, of us uh, to be able to do what they ask us to do. But yet and still, when you have guys out there that, that are young, don't have the experience that you have, you have to be able to do that as well. So he and X have been doing a really good job of communicating with one another, but yet and still communicating with those younger guys because you never know when it's going to be the next man up and lo and behold it came sooner than we really expected but uh, you know he he's still in that same capacity and same role so just fun to be able to hear the things that was said about him in the past but then now being able to see him firsthand and then it's totally totally a blur of the things that that you've got uh, from other people. 
So also in that defensive backfield, Sam talked a little bit about Cater Kohu and his his growth. Tyreek said that his pick for a big second-year breakout was Cater Kohu, and it makes sense given the way those two have been competing every single day in practice. And Tyreek told us that Eli Apple has not really covered him in a one-on-one yet because X and Cater keep claiming him, and Tyreek said he can't back down from those challenges. So maybe one day we'll get a chance to, to see him against Eli Apple. And I thought it was really funny in his press conference that Tyreek said, of course I was okay with Eli coming down here. It just means I get to embarrassment every single day now <laughs> like but it's not like that like it, he he talked about that at the press conference too like I didn't of course I wasn't gonna say no you can't sign the guy like it's more of a social media thing than it is anything else and yeah Tyreek plays into it but also I mean it's it's all just kind of for show but uh you know Cater gets those matchups and I think that it really says a lot about him that he wants to go challenge himself against number 10 you could go out there and say let me get you know on the receiver number nine and really boost my tape right now or you can say let me go compete against the best receiver in the NFL and that's what he's done all camp long. And for Tyreek's comment about the breakout player this year, I would argue that Cater already broke out as a rookie, but again, had some more really good work today. He's just not seeing many targets. We've kind of seen the targets to X are never there. The targets to Cam Smith have kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit. And Cater Kohu, they're not trying him anymore. Those are the three guys I think have had the best camp at cornerback so far. In fact, he and I mentioned Cam Smith. Cam Smith and another young cornerback put on a clinic today really separating the hands of the receivers at the catch point. The hip pocket technique, play the ball through the receiver's hands because Tyreek gets on top of Noah Igbenogany for a touchdown toss that had to be perfect from Tua, and it was. Then he had two reps breaking up passes by getting into position, staying patient, and really driving that hand through the receiver's hands in the football to break it up. Cam Smith did that on back-to-back reps as well. Although he ran off the back of that field, slipped on that damn concrete, and he left practice a few plays later. So that happened to Trill Williams last year, too. I don't, I don't know the, anything about the injury. We'll get you guys an update on that and find out when he comes back out for practice. I continue to love what I've seen from Javon Holland in coverage. I just think that he has the makeup to really do whatever he wants. In fact, we'll hear from Vic Fangio here in just one second. He had a good touchdown-saving play near the pylon. And uh, not really live right now, but Javon, don't tell him that. Braxton Berrios catches a quick swing route, and... I think sometimes it's easy to forget about Javon's ability as a striker because of the playmaking and the coverage, but he comes downhill and I could hear it from the other side of the field, you know, 50 rows up in the stands. He put a lick on Braxton Berrios and said, you will get no such goal line today, Mr. Berrios. So that was fun to see. Cannot wait to watch him strap it up for a live football game here soon. Let's hear from Vic Fangio on the safety that, man, he loves watching this guy play. Yeah, he's been very impressive. He's another guy that I really liked in the draft the year he came out. And uh, he hasn't disappointed one bit. I think um, he's a hell of a player and should just get better and better every day, every year, and should be a top safety in this league. So that's your daily Javon Holland update. I thought his former college teammate, Verone McKinley, RIP Pac-12, is pretty solid in that deep coverage aspect of his job. I thought there was a couple of plays today where they had some chances for deep shots, but he carried those deep routes and really made the quarterback go elsewhere. Did that a lot last year. I thought a good job of that again today. Bryce Thompson makes a couple of plays every single day. He might be my pick right now for safety five if they go that way. I would say it's obviously the top three guys, Elijah Campbell, and then probably Bryce Thompson for me. I thought Channing Tindall had another excellent practice. Man, he has a play or two every day where he's getting around the perimeter with that speed and cutting down run plays before they get started, and that happened again today. He also had his stuff and goal line work where he fit the gap, played downhill, and arrived with some thump to stop Ahmed's forward momentum. Let's go ahead and hear from Fangio, who praised where Channing Tindall is right now and where he thinks he can go with his natural talents. Uh, Channing's working every day to get better, get a better understanding of the defense. Once he gets a better understanding, 
I think his talent will flourish. Man, if I thought that I was impressed by Andrew Van Ginkle, why don't we go ahead and hear what Coach Vic Fangio had to say about his linebacker off and on the ball. Yeah, I think Van Ginkle's done a great job for us since we moved him to inside as part-time. He's still outside also. He's picked it up really well. His football instincts and acumen flourish in there. He's done a really good job for a guy. That's a hard transition for a guy to move from an on-the-ball position to an off-the-ball position. And he's done very well with it, and uh, it's going to give us some good versatility uh, throughout this season. Agba um, is, you know, he, we're moving him back and forth between the outside and inside. Um, you know, in nickel, he could be a guy that could rush from the outside. And in base defense, um, we're trying him inside just because we, we still haven't found a fourth, fifth, or sixth D lineman. Some pretty good radical candor there from Vic Fangio. Uh, what else here? Sealer and Wilkins, New Day, same story. You guys know the drill. Consistent work in the run game, consistent pass rush. How about Coach Fangio's thoughts on Christian Wilkins? Yeah, Christian was a guy that I really liked the year he came out in the draft. And um, he's exceeded my expectations. He works really hard in practice. He grinds. He's talented. Um, and with his talent and work ethic, he's one of the top players in the league. You heard Coach mention Ogba earlier. He had a couple of sacks today. He flashed that cross chop and a dip-rip move that really those long arms empowers how he wins out on the outside. I think Cameron Good's getting his fill this camp. Every day he makes the notes of something that he did, run or pass. I thought Randy Charlton was a menace in one-on-one drills, and Jalen Twyman won that period with a really impressive body of work and pass rushing. Let's play some more audio here from the two coaches, Frank Smith and Vic Fangio, before we get out of here. This one from Frank Smith, who told us about the challenges of facing a Vic Fangio defense and how it's helped the offense grow in this year's training camp. Um, I mean, through working with him in Chicago, it's a lot of the same same things of the multiplicity of what they do, the multiplicity of the coverages. It all starts looking the same. It makes us have to really be on our recognition, be on our communication, and uh, be on our fundamentals. So... I think that uh, we overall have been able to really uh, work on our on our our game, our uh, our techniques, what we're trying to accomplish through uh, what they're providing. Because hey, you assume something, and then next thing you know, it changes. So um, I think it's helped us a lot. And uh, uh, you know, again, excited for the next two days to really keep growing upon it. Let's finish up here. I thought it was cool to hear this about McDaniel and Fangio's working relationship and how they can benefit one another. You'll hear it here, but I just want to add the commentary of like, I'm there for it when he needs me and he has needed me a few times, but I'm also not going to like, you know, steamroll the guy and take, you know, ownership of his job. I just love this answer here from Vic about the question was being a former head coach. Do you want to offer Mike McDaniel any things you've picked up or do you stick to being the D.C.? Well, I'm there for any time Mike wants to use me as a resource, and he does that on occasion. You know, I've got my hands full trying to run the defense, and I'm not going to try and um, impose my will on on things. But Mike's uh, not reluctant to ask an opinion, and if he wants to use it, he can. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And there you have it, clocking in right around 30 minutes on this episode. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. We'll be back on Saturday for the Scrimmage Podcast and Sunday, a special Zach Thomas podcast with the guys from the Fish Tank and Zach's speech from Canton. All of that coming your way on Drive Time. Monday, I think off, and then Tuesday, right back at it for joint practices 
against the Atlanta Falcons. The next Friday, we have a football game. Until then, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out Seth and Juice on the Fish Tank. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities. Dolphins today. There's some drive time and fish tank content up there. If you want a written version of the camp recap, go check out MiamiDolphins.com for the notebook. Until next time, fins up. Caroline and Cameron, Daddy's coming home.